when I joined Lucid, my first project was actually to develop our pricing. And I just come from working at a big consulting firm called Banning Company. My final project there was a four-month-long pricing study for a big company. And so when I showed up on that Monday and Carl asked me to develop our pricing, I felt pretty confident that I knew how to do this. And then two days later on Wednesday, he says, what do you have for us? And I, I sort of hemmed and hawed uh, and convinced him to give me until Friday uh, to put it together. But anyway, I learned very quickly how different the pace is at an early stage startup. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaSDoc, the global conference to turn your SaaS up to 11, which returns to Dublin October 15th to the 17th. I'm your host, Alex Thumer, and on this show, I bring you insights and tactics from leading SaaS entrepreneurs and investors across the world. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Dave Groh, President and COO of LucidChart, a SaaS company that helps people work visually. When Dave first joined LucidChart seven years ago, He took over the entire business side from answering customer support tickets and doing digital marketing to hiring, setting up partnerships. Each of his roles has contributed to LucidChart getting to 10 million users and growing. We talk in detail about the freemium model the company started with and the transition required within the entire organization to move up market to the enterprise. Listen on to hear how LucidChart's pricing plans have evolved to reach 10 million users. At the beginning, it was mostly individuals using LucidChart. And that was the bulk of our revenue. And then over time, we started to see a transition to small teams, right? Three users here, five users there, really engaging with each other and subscribing to the platform. What are the different GTM strategies to get to the sort of scale that has worked for LucidChart? Every time there was a launch for Google in that space, we were fortunate that they came to us. And we created this great partnership. And I think that came because One, there was a natural fit of our product. And two, we got in the habit of when they asked us to jump, we said, how high? How LucidChart moved up market and how they overcame the challenges they faced. I was running marketing at the time. I thought I was being pretty helpful to the sales team, but in retrospect, probably wasn't all that much. I was a digital marketing, uh, freemium built type of guy. Eventually, we realized, okay, we've probably got to make some changes here. We brought in a CMO, you know, who had deep enterprise capabilities, uh, and I stepped away from that role on a day-to-day basis. One curious fact we only touch upon is that LucidChart has not used a cent of the $40 million in the funding they raised to fuel that growth. It's one of many topics Dave will get into detail at his SASDOC 18 talk. Joining him will be many other founders and operators we've signed up as speakers such as Michael Litt, founder of Vidyard, David Cancel, founder of Drift, and Megan Eisenberg, CMO of MongoDB. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution uh, show. Dave Grow, uh, President and COO of LucidChart. Hey, Alex. Good to be with you today. No, awesome to have you, Dave. Um, uh, great to be speaking to you. Where, where are you uh, calling from today? Uh, just uh, about in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay, uh, very cool. Still a place that I, I, I'm yet to visit, uh, but um, yeah, looking to one day get to the Silicon Slopes. Uh, a lot of exciting uh, SaaS companies coming out of, uh, uh, of Utah, right? It's certainly grown a lot, uh, and we'll have to get you out here to the real slopes. Uh, this winter has been a little underwhelming uh, from the snow perspective, but maybe next year. 
Okay, very good. And I was just actually speaking to somebody in, in, in New York just before this and snowstorms there. So it seems like the, the, the US is still having a bit of the, uh, the wintry weather. But um, yeah, we're, uh, I think, hopefully uh, breaking into spring in the, uh, in the UK. But, um, but move, moving on um, uh, from, from the weather day but, uh, to, to yourself, uh, you know, we always, a nice segue from the weather to you. Um, you know, we always start with the show getting to know our, our guests, right? Uh, so, so who is Dave Grow? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, on a personal level, which I think is important to mention, uh, husband of 13 years, father to three great kids uh, who definitely keep me grounded uh, in this entrepreneurial journey. And on a professional level, though, uh, consider myself an entrepreneur, obviously, and maybe even more specifically, an operator. Uh, I really enjoy the process of looking at the foundation of a product or business and figuring out how to scale that successfully. And in fact, that was uh, the original pitch that Carl and Ben, our co-founders, gave me about joining Lucidchart. They essentially said, we've got a great product, but we need someone to come figure out and grow the business. And uh, it was very early stage then. My first month, I think we did about $1,000 in sales. And since then, it's been a, a great seven years, been able to wear a lot of hats, really done just about everything here at Lucid other than write code. Um, and so today, as you mentioned, I'm the president and chief operating officer here at Lucidchart. Uh, but really over that time, my job description has stayed the same. Figure out and grow the business. So, so um, you're, you're president and COO now. Um, the title has changed you know, a few times o o over the years. What was that role? Uh, I mean, what figure out and you know, grow the business. But what was, the, what was, the specific, was there a specific title when you first joined the company? Um, yeah. yeah, when you join a company of three or four people, you sort of get to pick your title. Uh, and I think I picked uh, VP of Operations and Strategy, okay. uh, which, which sounded very cool at the time. Um, but it, it, it is interesting. I mean, even from the beginning, though, and I think it's worth mentioning, uh, I, I didn't ask for you know, the C-level title. I didn't ask mm -hmm. for maybe a bigger title because I thought that at some point, someone more sophisticated than me might have to come in and help scale Lucid. Uh, but fortunately, I've been able to sort of, you know, wear those hats successfully and grow with the company. Cool. Very good. And, and president's a very big title uh, uh, now. So you must have, uh, must have done something right to, uh, to, to earn that. Uh, a lot of blood, sweat and tears along the way, I think. Yeah. Yep. So, so, so um, tell, tell us uh, a little bit about Lucidchart. Um, you know, what, what is it? What does it do? Uh, and then kind of link into that, so this, this journey. So like how, how many years ago uh, did you start, you know, as the VP of strategy and operations and, and talk to us about some of the things that you've done with the company to, to help grow the company? Sure. Well, with Lucidchart, uh, we're all about helping people work visually. And so if you think for a minute about the tools we use to communicate in the workplace, email, Word, Google Docs, Slack, they're almost entirely text-based. Uh, but in reality, we don't just think and ideate in words. We often think visually. And so we want to let people work the way they think. And so at its core, Lucidchart is a visual productivity platform uh, that helps anyone understand, share ideas, information, processes. And so specifically what that looks like often is flowcharts, org charts, mind maps, technical diagrams, visualizations, uh, again, of their ideas uh, that they can then communicate via that way. Um, and so, you know, what's been my role in that? Well, 
when I first joined, I was the lone person focused on the business side. Uh, Carl and Ben were primarily focused on product and engineering uh, and, and built a terrific product along the way. And so at the beginning, that left a, a lot of other things uh, to me, all things, quote unquote, business, which uh, included answering every support ticket. Uh, I started our marketing. Um, I helped develop some of our early partnerships uh, at Lucidchart and more. And over the years, you know, we started to, you know, hire some people and one at a time, I would give away uh, those hats uh, to people maybe who were more uh, specific or talented at, at those things uh, than I was. Um, and so have uh, for several years, have run marketing, um, you know, an, a, a couple of times and have given it off. Uh, so been here seven years um, now. And today, split my time essentially between our external facing groups, like marketing, sales, customer success, and our internal facing groups, like finance, analytics. So it's been a great journey, again, to wear just about every hat and understand the ins and outs of basically every role in a startup or growth company uh, like Lucid. Awesome. And, and uh, you're happy to share some stats about the company. Um, so I, I think we, um, you, you, you shared that it's uh, just, just over seven years old, um, uh, if that's right. You know, how many um, employees uh, have you taken funding or are you bootstrapped? Um, some, maybe some stats about the, uh, the, the growth and revenue, if you're happy to share. Sure. Yeah. Happy to share some numbers for sense of scale. Um, from a, a user perspective for Lucidchart, we've passed more than 10 million users worldwide and adding millions more uh, every year. So, so that's a, a great thing, an exciting thing for us. Uh, we have raised several rounds of funding in our history. Uh, one very early uh, when we raised a seed round of about a million dollars. Uh, several years later, we raised a Series A of about five million in 2014. Uh, and then a bigger Series B of 35 million in 2016. So have raised cumulatively a little more than 40 million dollars. Um, we have about 300, 325 employees today, uh, almost all based here in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. A few remote, um, and then adding about 50 or 75 more in the next few months. So by about mid-year, we'll be about 400 employees. And we don't yet publicly share revenue numbers, but uh, to give you a sense, I mean, I can say that revenue is what's supporting our growth. Mm -hmm. and we actually haven't really had to leverage that funding much to drive the growth that we've seen over the years. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. And interesting. So uh, all the 335 um, based in, in Utah, but are you, are you serving, I'm, I'm expecting with the 10 million users, uh, uh, pretty much a, a global audience of, uh, of customers. Yeah. In fact, I think... Um, Almost half of our revenue now comes from outside the United States. Okay. Uh, so definitely because of the freemium model, attracting users from all over the world very early, uh, we became a global company. Mostly served, as I said, here out of Utah. Mm -hmm. uh, but expect that to likely change in the next uh, several years for sure. Okay, very cool. Um, so you, you mentioned the uh, the freemium model there, and uh, I know that when we've um, uh, spoken uh, offline, um, you know, the, the, the freemium model and the implementation of that at, at Lucidchart is, is certainly, you know, one of the things that um, uh, you have a great deal of experience in, in fact, you know, architecting that. Um, uh, so I think, you, you know, that will make a great uh, a topic to kind of dive into for, the, uh, uh, for, for this uh, podcast episode, if, you, if you're happy to. 
Absolutely. Pick your pick your brains on uh, on freemium, and uh, uh, hopefully, or well, myself, and, and I'm sure the, uh, the the listeners will uh, uh, will learn something. So, I mean, actually, having a look at your your pricing page, um, uh, as as I did before the the, the show, we've seen that you, you've got a number of uh, plans there. Um, you've got the paid plans for the single users, paid plans for teams. Uh, there's an enterprise plan, and there's this freemium plan as well. So going back to when you kind of like first started and first start, um, you, you know, implementing the, the business side of the business and the go-to-market, what did the pricing plan sort of look like then? Uh, uh, you know, how different was it? And uh, like where, I guess kind of when did you start to implement the freemium model and why? Great question. And so the history before I got involved was, you know, Ben had built the product actually for internal use at another company um, because he saw the need uh, there. And then he eventually put it up for free online uh, and started seeing some users, some traction. So then he put, you know, I think a, a PayPal button on there uh, with, with some, uh, you know, very basic plan, you know, pay $5 per month or, or something like that. Um, but when I joined Lucid, my first project was actually to develop our pricing. And I just come from working at a big consulting firm called Bain & Company. My final project there was a four-month-long pricing study for a big company. It was really robust process, sophisticated surveys, conjoined analysis, all sorts of tools and processes. And so when I showed up on that Monday and Carl asked me to develop our pricing, I felt pretty confident that I knew how to do this. Uh, so I started planning out my work plan. And then two days later on Wednesday, he says, what do you have for us? Um, and I, I sort of hemmed and hawed uh, and convinced him to give me until Friday uh, to put it together. But anyway, I learned very quickly how different the pace is at an early stage startup. Um, but in terms of the pricing structure itself, it was relatively similar uh, than you know, what I put together at the beginning. We had a free plan, uh, a, a single user plan, and a multi-user team plan. Uh, what we didn't have then was an enterprise plan. That's been a recent addition in the last several years. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But the pricing structure was, was relatively similar. Um, and really, you know, the business uh, has been in an evolution, I think, over, over those seven years. At the beginning, it was mostly individuals using Lucidchart. And that was the bulk of our revenue. And then over time, we started to see a transition to small teams, right? Three users here, five users there, really engaging with each other and subscribing to the platform. And then we started to see these teams grow, uh, usually without any interference uh, or help by us, you know, but sometimes into many hundreds of users at a company. And that's when we uh, decided to, okay, we need to take a, another look at our, our pricing structure, our business model, and that's when we decided to introduce our enterprise plan. And so today, that's where the bulk of our revenue is. And so this has been this dramatic shift over the last few years from you know, 100% self-serve you know, to much uh, heavily weighted uh, towards the enterprise plan. And that's certainly where the, the, most of the growth will come from looking forward. So, um, and, and thanks for that uh, sort of background then. So, you guys have gone from this 100% self-serve sort of model now, you know, moving up market and having the enterprise model um, with the self-serve part of that has been, you know, free from the, the beginning. Um, 
And so I know that you work with, uh, well, obviously you've worked with Lucy Chart um, in, in implementing this and, and, and moving this up market, um, but also uh, speak to a lot of SaaS startups uh, as well. And, uh, you know, this is a pricing is a hot topic, freemium is a, a, a hot topic. Um, uh, so like when should SaaS startups, um, you know, use a freemium model, uh, uh, in, in your opinion? You know, when does it make sense? You know, should everybody... Uh, be doing this or, or what, what is the kind of the, the criteria that needs to be factored in it's a great question and as i meet with entrepreneurs i get it a lot i think there's an allure to having a product with many many users right it's cool to be able to say we've got 10 million users um but it's definitely not the right business model for everyone in my opinion and you know i'm a big fan of jason lemkin and his content for SaaS. He's, he's published several articles on this that I occasionally pass to entrepreneurs because one of them outlines the simple math that if you want to get to significant revenue scale with a freemium model, you'll probably need, say, 50 million users. And, and so the math there is relatively straightforward, right? 50 million users, about 2% of them will pay at any given time. So then you've got a million paying users and say a price point of $100 per year, you've got a $100 million business. But 50 million users is no joke. I mean, that is really, really significant uh, to be able to get to. Um, but maybe going a little bit deeper on this, I mean, some people might look at those numbers and say 2%. I mean, that is an incredibly low free you know, conversion rate. Um, but in fact, that's about the industry standard. Uh, you know, Dropbox recently filed their S1 in order to go public. In that, they shared that Dropbox has 11 million paid users out of about 500 million registered users. So 2.2% for Dropbox. Uh, and I think th there are, of course, some ex exceptions, but uh, it's not off by an order of magnitude, right? Two, three, four percent is, is pretty common. Um, and so the short of it is that you need a lot of users for a freemium model to work. And for that to, I think, be the case, you typically need to have a broad solution that is widely applicable. Uh, I think that's why things like Dropbox and Evernote and SurveyMonkey and others are a good fit. Um, and I'd put Lucidchart in that bucket, right? For us, just about any knowledge worker in the world can use Lucidchart. Your HR person can make org charts. Your sales, your sales rep can make account and influencer maps. Your marketing person can design a marketing automation flow and so on. And so Lucidchart's a very broad horizontal application that can reach tens of millions of users. And so I think entrepreneurs have to ask themselves really honestly whether their solution is something that there is broad interest around that they can attract millions or even tens of millions of users uh, to someday. Um, and if the answer, answer, answer to that is probably not, then standard premium without a free tier may well be the better route. <laughs> makes sense makes sense and and, um, and and with having this sort of broader solution uh, I mean if we look at the sort of lucid chart um, you, you know in order to attain the, the 10 million users uh, you know have you uh, have you had some sort of like virality um, you know like baked into uh, the product uh, like how have you uh, acquired you know, like got up to the 10 million o o over the seven years yeah it's a great, great question. And in my experience here at Lucid and, and watching other companies and talking to other companies, you know, I think there's 
probably one of three ways, uh, and usually a combination of the three, that people can get to that sort of scale and that we have at, at Lucid. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think those are, as you mentioned, true virality. Uh, you know, second, I think, is around integrations and partnerships. And third is around building you know, essentially a world-class demand gen machine. And so I think virality is one to hit on first because that's a really interesting one. Um, most solutions today, including Lucidchart, have a collaboration component to them, right? I can create a diagram in Lucidchart. I can share it with you. You can come edit and comment with me and so on and so forth. But that on its own does not create virality. Um, you know, I think virality really means that for every person that's going to come use it, they're going to bring at least one more person or more with them. Um, and so I think if you look at you know, the early days of Dropbox. So obviously, they had the sharing model where you get additional storage. Mm-hmm. Um, that led to a lot of adoption of virality. I think a lot of people have tried to copy that since without <laughs> nearly as much success. Um, you know, Slack, I know at, at Lucidchart, uh, penetrated very quickly. One engineering team started using it. Then the whole engineering team started using it. And soon the entire company was on it, right? Enough uh, knowledge sharing was happening uh, that it sort of sucked the entire organization in. And so from a virality perspective, we've tried a lot of things. Um, but I think in many ways, it comes down to the nature of the product and is your product inherently built to be, you know, quote unquote, viral. And so mm-hmm. I think that's an important distinction. Just because we have sharing or collaboration as part of our solution, you know, Lucidchart or as founders or entrepreneurs generally, doesn't mean it's going to be viral. And I think if you expect that, virality is going to be the path, um, you know, to 10 or to 50 million users, more likely than not, you're going to be disappointed. So virality has been important for us. I mean, we do get a lot of users, you know, from document sharing and those sort of things, but it probably has not been the number one driver of growth for it. It's, it's been, you know, a couple of the others, which uh-huh. I'm happy to talk about, you know, those, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So you, you mentioned um, integrations and partnerships. Is, is that the... Uh, the other ones that work for you or is there something additional to that? Yeah. Integrations and partnerships um, and, and then sort of the demand gen machine. And, and so, you know, on integrations and partnerships, uh, I think it's, a, I think it's a fantastic way to punch above your weight, to get more exposure uh, beyond what you could even buy. And so for us early lucid chart, for example, we were approached by Google about being launch partners for the Google apps marketplace first. This was back in 2010 then the Chrome Web Store a few months later, and then about a year later, Google Drive, and so on. And every time there was a launch for Google in that space, we were fortunate that they came to us. And we created this great partnership. And I think that came because, one, there was a natural fit of our products and, and you know, both focused on technology and what we could do in the browser and so on and so forth. And two, we got in the habit of when they asked us to jump, we said, how high? Right. I mean, we were willing, I think, to take some leaps of faith with them on products and launches that were not at all proven yet. Um, and and I'll, I'll give a quick story. I think they were very good at reciprocating, being great partners back to us. Uh, as I mentioned, we were like a, uh, launch partners for Google Drive. This is 2012. And it was very much under wraps. I mean, a few things had leaked out. People thought doing some sort of storage solution. And uh, about a week before, we had our, our integration ready to go, and we accidentally released it in our product uh, a week before the actual launch. And so 
Um, we quickly discovered it before, as far as we knew, any customer or user had seen it. And about half an hour later, took it down, uh, thought everything was okay. And then the next morning, we woke up to The Verge and just about every technology uh, blog uh, with screenshots that Lucidchart had leaked Google Drive. Um, so anyway, uh, a little bit of a fun tangent, but, but they were good partners about that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, look, we can't, we can't throw stones because uh, maybe we've leaked a couple of things ourselves. But so anyway, our integrations with Google over the years have driven millions of users to Lucidchart, uh, become a valuable part of our story. So, you know, as a result, we've integrated with Microsoft and Slack and Atlassian and others to get some of the tailwinds uh, that I think those partnerships uh, can bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on the board of Bitly as well. And I know that part of the reason that Bitly became such a well-known brand uh, on the internet and for marketing uh, was because they got so much early traction by being the default link shortener for Twitter and other social media sites. Um, and so I think integrations and partnerships are a tricky one because, again, they're often this mirage that sound really good in the distance and then you go execute on them and it's a little bit underwhelming. But if you can find the right partners, uh, I think it can, it can be a game changer. And what about the demand gen machine? Um, sort of just briefly uh, around that. Um, uh, talk to us a little bit about how that has worked for, for Lucidchart. Yeah. I mean, when I first got here, I had a little bit of background in SEO and some other things. You know, again, we didn't have much money uh, to spend on marketing. And so I started, you know, doing SEO and, and, and building up that. And, you know, over the years, uh, that has continued to be a very core part of driving users. And so, we're, you know, millions and millions of, of new visitors are coming to us every single month that we're converting. Um, and so at Lucid, it's been, it's been absolutely core. Um, you know, I think there's some other interesting examples. Just one I'll give real quick, which is Prezi, where they sort of combine, I think, this demand gen machine with the virality piece, right? Their, their business model is so that free users' presentations or Prezi's became public and crawlable by Google. And so they had millions of users creating them. I think at last count, I, they had 75 million users. But millions of users creating Prezi's on all sorts of topics. Those become you know, free content, user-generated content for them that Google can crawl and surface. And so, you know, I think they're driving just insane amounts of traffic to this content across all different, you know, topics that they didn't have to produce. Mm-hmm. They can see Prezi in action and get interested and sign up. And so I think that's actually a really clever way to sort of combine, you know, several of these ways uh, to be really successful. No, for sure. Absolutely. A, a great example there. And uh, talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, in your experience, what it's been like to then transition through from freemium, um, you know, to now having this kind of mixed model uh, with much of the or uh, an increased focus on enterprise where, you know, as you said, the uh, majority of your revenue is now coming from. Yeah. Well, it, just to give you a little bit of context of how it happened, I mean, several years ago, we had a few million users. We recognized that just about at any decent-sized company, you could find pockets of usage. A team account here, a team account there, multiple individual subscriptions, and often a lot of free accounts. And so we theorized we could follow the path of Dropbox and others, call into these companies, offer an enterprise product with a centralized account that would roll all these into one and provide administration security visibility. And I remember the first call we made. It was to one of the large tech companies. We pitched this to them because they had several hundred disparate accounts at their company. 
And 15 minutes later, they gave us a credit card over the phone and we closed what was then, I think, our third largest deal. And so pretty quickly, we knew we were onto something. Um, and so it, you know, that, that worked. I think the product part of the transition in some ways was probably the easiest. We knew what we had to go build that would resonate with customers because we'd been hearing it for so long. But the transition has not been altogether smooth. I think there's been uh, you know, some challenges over the years, particularly organizationally. Um, it requires building a ton of new muscles as a company that we just didn't have before. Uh, for example, our marketing team had built deep capabilities over time with digital marketing and filling the top of the funnel and getting individual users through a very specific path to subscribe. But it's very different I think to switch from selling to an individual to now selling to you know Fortune 500 organization, right? That process looks dramatically different, involves a lot more people on our side and theirs, and I think to be honest, we took a long time to adjust. For our first year of selling our enterprise product, sales was kind of a bolt-on uh, to our business. We had the core self-serve machine going, and and then we sort of bolted on a few guys to do the sales piece. And it was there, and they were doing well uh, because there was a lot of low-hanging fruit, but it wasn't really 100% fully supported. And so we've had to make a lot of changes over the years, um, you know, one of which I, I think is relevant to mention here, which is uh, I, ran, I was running marketing at the time, and, and I thought I was being you know, pretty helpful to the sales team, but in retrospect, probably wasn't all that much. Right? I, was a, I was a digital marketing uh, freemium you know, built type of guy. And so eventually we realized, okay, we've probably got to make some changes here. We brought in a CMO, uh, you know, who had deep enterprise capabilities. Uh, and I stepped away from that role on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and so, you know, some tough changes are needed uh, along the way, uh, I think, to really make this work. You know, I have to hire different types of people, right? We'd hired a lot of engineers. Now we're hiring a sales team. It becomes a lot higher touch, and things aren't as scalable as they used to be. And so I think there's you know, a lot of organizational changes and cultural shifts that have to occur to really make this successful as you, as you go from a freemium to enterprise business. It makes sense. And uh, when we um, sort of look at your achievements, um, I guess both as Lucidchart and uh, yourself sort of personally, you know, o over the last sort of seven years, um, you know, freemium to enterprise was just, you know, it was one of the, the strategies and frameworks that you, you helped successfully uh, architect um, and, and has helped your growth to the 10 million users um, uh, plus. But uh, thinking about, uh, I guess, sort of the 2018 beyond maybe the, the kind of next three years, um, how does Lucidchart, uh, you know, get to the 50 million users um, you know, what are the strategies? What are the things that you're thinking about to, to help you kind of uh, continue your growth? Good question. Uh, you know, well, historically, we've been primarily focused um, on English. Until last year, our product was only in English. Our marketing was only in English, really. Uh, and so I, we recognize, obviously, there's a tremendous international opportunity. And we already have seen Parts of that happen, like I mentioned. We've gotten a lot of users from around the world, but we've never gone at it uh, you know, as hard as, as we wanted to. Mm -hmm. uh, and so last year, we actually translated the product and marketing into five additional languages. Um, we started hiring a few dedicated folks from a marketing and sales perspective, um, and, and so on and so forth. And so now we're seeing, I mean, incredible things happen for us internationally. 
uh, you know, we fully expect by the numbers and trends that we're seeing that by the end of this year, for example, we'll be getting more new visitors and registrations from, let's say, South, uh, from Latin America uh, than maybe North America. Um, and so there's this incredible untapped opportunity for us internationally, which we are now going hard and fast at. So mm-hmm. that, that's going to be, you know, a key one uh, for us, certainly. You know, I think there will be continual evolutions in the product and on the business side. Um, you know, from a product perspective, it's really fun once you get to this kind of scale of users and when it's a horizontal application, because now you've got, you know, great, uh, ver- you know, you've got a ton of people uh, from sales, ton of people from marketing, ton of people from product and dev. And so you've got these great uh, user bases within various verticals. And so now we can go and build on top of the horizontal solution, deeper sort of vertical solutions that really solve their individual problems. Uh, an example of that uh, is on the technical side. We knew a lot of our uh, DevOps and engineers were drag and dropping and creating their AWS architecture diagrams in Lucidchart. Uh, we automated that. You can now hook into the API of AWS. It pulls down all that information, including the underlying data, and in five minutes helps you visualize your AWS architecture. And so now we can start to go deeper from a product perspective to really solve these verticalized problems. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention is I, I saw this chart a, a week or two ago, which I thought was pretty insightful, where you know the, the freemium or self-serve business can get you on a certain trajectory. And it, and it is a great trajectory if you stay there forever. Adding inside sales, like we have, uh, can add sort of a different step level change to that. And then adding direct sales on top of that, right? The more traditional B2B tops down sales um, you know, can, again, add a different step change function to your business. Zendesk and others, I think, have followed this pattern. And I think that's one that we will certainly continue to follow as well. Okay, very cool. Well, I, I wish you, you know, all the, the, the best of continued success in, uh, in internationalization, you know, in, in uh, moving towards the, the, the 50 million uh, users number and, uh, and above. Um, just uh, two final questions as we, we come to the end of the, um, uh, uh, the podcast today, uh, Dave, uh, if, if I may. Obviously, um, uh, I'm super excited about you. Uh, you're coming over to, to Dublin in October. Uh, 15th to the 17th to speak at SASDOC 18. Uh, what will we expect to hear from you, uh, you know, in your talk at SASDOC? Yeah, very, very excited to come over. Thanks so much for the invitation. Um, and, you know, really want to focus on scaling in, in a couple of different senses. You know, one, you know, what have I learned from watching Loose Chart and being involved here and others, other businesses, uh, about how did we scale to the level we are today um, without really spending much money, right? We, we have raised 40 million uh, for various reasons uh, over the years, but we've been able to scale to the point we are without really spending that. And, and I think there's some, some deliberate decisions we made along the way, which can be helpful, uh, hopefully to others as they're thinking about, uh, you know, getting this to similar scale and beyond. Um, the second part is about uh, the, some of the hard lessons that I've learned scaling as an individual and as, as a leader along the way. Um, you know, it's interesting in our, our business, sometimes founders or the executives and others find themselves on the outs as the business continues to scale. And I feel fortunate that I've learned some things along the way, again, sometimes very, very challenging lessons um, about how to scale myself with the company um, that I think can be hopefully helpful to other founders and entrepreneurs and early executives at companies.
Awesome. Well, I, I'm, I, I can't wait to uh, uh, see that talk and, uh, you know, meet you in person. And, uh, um, yeah, look, really looking forward to, to, to SAS Talk 18. Um, and uh, like, I guess coming back to you, like uh, the beginning of the call, you mentioned um, uh, you've married 13 years, got three kids, which kind of helps you uh, stay grounded. Um, you, you've been in this, uh, uh, this scale up for, you know, seven years, uh, various sort of different roles, but how do you, how do you take care of yourself, you know, and how, how, how have you managed to, to stay sane, um, you know, in this, in this journey? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, I would say two quick things that I've learned. Uh, first is that I've had to learn where the intersection is between one, what I really enjoy and get deep satisfaction from, and two, what provides insane amounts of value for Lucid. And then find ways to craft my role to increasingly make sure I'm in that intersection. Because if I can be doing the things I love and it's adding value to the company, that's a win-win. And that takes time and effort to sort of create that intersection, uh, but it definitely makes the journey a, a lot more fun. Uh, so, so that's one. Uh, I would say two, and, and this is maybe obvious, but establish what sustainable looks like for you because it's different for everyone. Um, for me, I can generally work pretty hard and in many cases long hours if I still get that quality time with my family. And so from very early on, my pattern of working was to put in a great day at the office, get home by dinner, eat with the family, and then spend time with my kids. And after they're in bed, I've typically been back on the computer for a couple hours, continuing to crank. Um, another kind of small point on this, you know, I've set a goal that I'm going to be at 90% of my kids' activities, sports games, recitals, performances, and so on. And I can't make them all because of travel. Uh, but in my years at Lucid, it, it hasn't been uncommon to see me leave early on a Thursday so that I can go watch my son's uh, you know, soccer team or work from home in the morning so I can attend my daughter's school performance. Right, those priorities really matter in the long term. Things don't, for me, don't have to be sustainable on a day-to-day -day basis, but in the long run and over a period of time, that's when sustainability becomes really key. Well, th uh, thanks for sharing that with us, Dave, and, you know, wholeheartedly uh, agree with you there. Definitely got your, the, the priorities, uh, I, I think, uh, set. And, uh, yeah, look, re really enjoyed speaking to you today. Um, some, some great uh, nuggets and information, you know, around, uh, I guess, lucid scaling, freemium to enterprise. So thanks so much for being on the SaaS Revolution show today. You've been a great guest. You bet. Thanks so much and excited for SaaS Talk. Yeah, likewise. Looking forward to uh, seeing you at SaaS Talk 18. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show with Dave Rowe, President and COO of LucidChart. If you want to hear Dave share more of the LucidChart story at SaaStock18, including how they managed to not spend a cent of their funding to get to 10 million users, join our insider sale at insider.sastock.com by April the 1st to get a two-for-one ticket discount code. Thanks for listening and for your continued support. See you next time.